All right, we are doing another incredible episode of the show today, and I am super excited to have our guest. Um, she is someone that I've really grown to love over the last several months that uh, she and I have known each other going on. Is it going on a year now? Pretty close. I think we're about to get there, yeah. Yeah, I, it seems like months. we are. Yeah. About 10 months, and um, just the, the interactions that we've had have always been nothing but positive, and I've already learned a lot, and I look forward to uh, hearing more and learning more about your life and letting our audience know what it is that makes you so special. Because you got invited on this podcast because there's just some coolness about you <laughs> that I think it's important that, that we get the message out um, to people about just who you are. So mm -hmm. without further ado, Miss Yuri Bazan has joining us, one of our attorneys here at Ramos Law. Yuri, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> got to tell people, first of all, this is the uh, Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast, and you are part of our legal team, our attorney team. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you decided to become an attorney. What, what's your story about getting where you are now from, I don't know, childhood or college? Start somewhere and let us know how it, how it takes you here. Sure. Um, I actually, um, I think maybe about third grade that I can remember, I actually initially wanted to be a doctor. Okay. I did. Um, I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. Pediatric oncologist? Yes. No joke. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, once I started high school, I started taking medical classes. And unfortunately, I had a teacher who discouraged me uh, from getting into that profession. Why? Why were you discouraged? What um, was... You know, what I can remember at the time is she kind of just mentioned, like, you you really almost have to have a cold heart to be able to, to withstand that type of stress, you know, dealing with children who have cancer. And, uh, you know, I'm softy. <laughs> and that just really, really, um, it, it was an impact for me. So I, I, at the same time while that happened, I had a different teacher who, um, you know, really enjoyed reading what I would write. And then she's the one that encouraged me and told me, you should be a lawyer. No you, kidding. You sure fight about everything. <laughs> what a great story. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the mm -hmm. the power of teachers. Uh, we did a podcast recently with a teacher and this young lady is just so dynamic. She's been doing it for 10 years and she gets it, the mm -hmm. role that she plays. And so to your story, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a chiropractor, which I eventually became. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because one of my high school teachers, a, a trigonometry teacher, literally, literally said this to me one day. He, he goes, uh, Hoven, you want to be a, a doctor? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you can't even get through my class. You're never <laughs> going to make it. Horrible. Horrible, right? Yeah. And it, it's not like he was, and he said it in a light way. It's not like he was beating me over the head, but it literally now for me it made me go really mm -hmm. let's see how that works mm -hmm. out and so i used it as fuel but i it shocked me that right. that it would come out of a, a teacher's mouth even and that was when i was a junior in high school mm -hmm. so to understand that like you say the impact that yeah. our teachers have can be really profound but i guess at the end of the day um all things work out the way they should so they you did. ended up going then uh to college did you go knowing that you were going to be a lawyer when you went to undergrad well, no, I actually was already accepted into a pre-med program. Oh, you were already yeah. in the pre-med program. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and you know, I just started thinking, and I started thinking, okay, maybe I should go into law. And that's when slowly I started exploring that. But I actually majored in um, international business management when I went to um, 
uh, to college, and then eventually uh, I started doing pre uh, pre law programs. Okay. And that's when I I decided, you know what? Yeah, I think I think I really enjoy this. Where did I you grow do. up? I grew up in Texas, South Texas. South Texas. So uh, the born valley. and raised South Texas. No, I was uh, born in Tamaulipas, oh. which is Mexico. Yes. yes. Very yes. cool. Mm -hmm. When did you mm -hmm. come to the United States? Um, in third grade. Third grade. Third grade yes. So, did you know any English? Um, you know, in in Mexico, I lived right next to the border in a okay. small little town called Camargo. So, I did take some English classes, but for the most part, you know, like the ABs, like ba very basic. Yeah. Basic stuff. Okay. Yeah. So then you grow up in Texas, mm -hmm. and so you go through your process. You get accepted in pre med. You're in college. Law school starts to formulate itself. And so when you decide, how do you know? How do you know like law is the way? What What's the, the light bulb moment for you when you go, yeah, it's law? <laughs> I just really enjoyed, um, you know, there's a lot of people who do have a hard time um, sometimes getting their point across or, or they really do need help. And I really enjoyed that feeling that you get when you're able to help somebody say something that they can't say for themselves. So you're their voice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. So yeah. I want to I want to back up because I hear sure. so much in, in the conversations we've had. You're such a um, you have a, a soulful way about you. Like when you think and just even like as we're talking right now, there like there's I can see it. Right, mm -hmm. it's not just hear it; it's see it. Tell me a little bit about your parents. What were they like? Did you have a bunch of siblings? How what was your family life growing up? Because I'm sure. You know, moving from Mexico, they, they've got to be so proud and see, <laughs> see their daughter as an attorney make a big difference. Sure. Um, so my mom was actually a single mom. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, she uh, was actually a janitor out of school. Mm -hmm. Initially, actually, she was, uh, when we lived in Mexico, she was actually a nurse. But then, you know, moving to a new country, not having the education in the United States, then she ended up working at my school and she was a cleaning lady. Wow. Yeah. Did she miss nursing? She did. That's did she ever think about kind of going and getting the, the, the trade-off stuff that she'd gotten her education in Mexico and then would have to do whatever? Did that? Well, so it's interesting that you ask that because even though she did, was able to get some certification that she needed, she still didn't feel comfortable enough speaking in English, and she just started doing good in her job, and she stuck yeah. to it, and now she's getting ready to retire from it. Wow. Um, so That's so yeah. good. What about yeah. siblings? I am an only child. I'm an only child, too. Yeah. We are the spoiled brats of the world. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I tell you what. Did you like growing <laughs> up an only child? I would say that for the most part, there were times where I really wanted just someone around. <laughs> I was the yeah. same. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have, um, I had enough friends mm -hmm. all the way from when I was little up that, and the, my parents were really great to me um, in that they would let me have sleepovers from an early age and, and I could sleep over at friend's house. And so I had my, my friend group of brothers, but there were times where I did miss having a brother because I was the only, only child that I knew. Everybody right. else had siblings. And so when I would see them fight, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I don't have that, right? When they're <laughs> arguing with each other. But then when I would see some of the other stuff, I I kind of wish that that I would have that, especially if I saw like my mom and dad having stress. That mm -hmm. then I was kind of by myself. I didn't have really a team member 
to, to go through, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. my, of course my mom and dad, but, but different. So yeah. yeah, it was interesting for me. So you, you liked it most of the time. I liked it most of the time too. I would say most of the time. Yeah. 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 I was more, and I would say I was definitely spoiled, but not rotten. Right. Like my parents <laughs> kind of, they, they, they were, did good about that. So they, I got plenty of, of cool stuff, but, uh, I still had to do my share too. I, I would say my mom was a tough one um, when I was younger. It, expectations were very, very high when it came to education. Yeah. Um, but then after, I think maybe when I was in high school, that's quite when she like slowly let me be my own person. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you do well in high school? I did really well, I would say, yeah. Yeah, grades. So grades yeah. were not a, a issue for you all the way through? Um, no. Yeah. No. You like school? I love, I love school, yes. Still to this day, you're a big learner? <laughs> yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. What do you like to learn um, as far as now? Do you spend your time, because I'm a lifelong learner as well. I read far more now mm -hmm. at 52 than I did when I was 22. <laughs> when I graduated from chiropractic school at 24, so pretty young. Um, mm -hmm. But then I was reading everything I had to. And after that, probably about 26, I really fell in love with learning about life, about uh, personal development, leadership, business, as well as my clinical stuff. So it became a big deal for me. Is that how you feel, a lifelong learner? I, I would say yes. Yeah. Um, like currently I'm doing um, a certification for a yoga instructor. Are you? I love it. I enjoy that. Um, I ended up doing my Zumba training, teacher training too. Um, I just like learning new things. Um, That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, yeah. I got to go into this then. As you're going through law school, when was the point in time where you thought, I want to work with people who have been injured in crashes as opposed to business or international law or finance or anything else? How, how did PI come into the picture for you? Sure. Um, so initially, I actually, so before I went into law school, I actually took about a three-year break. Um, from, you know, I graduated from college when I was 20, I think, very, very young, and I was just exhausted. <laughs> and I ended up working as a, in banking for about three years. I worked as a business banker, and I really enjoyed working with uh, Spanish-speaking business, um, uh, business clients. Okay. And that's actually what I wanted to do initially. And then slowly, as we're taking all the classes that we're required to take, I ended up doing an internship with a small firm who mm. handled uh, injuries, and and I just really really liked it. I, I enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah. And what was the thing that you enjoy most about that? Because as a provider, I loved taking care of people on two sides. One was to help them get well, and the other was to help them stay well. That's where I really found my niche. So I had a diplomate in sports injuries and got all these extra certifications, this and that. And so helping people go from dysfunction and pain to pain-free was part one. But man, did I love when I would see four generations of a family coming in to stay well, right? Mm -hmm. to, those, those were the dichotomies of that that brought that to me. What was it for you that you just get that big connection to with people who have been injured? I think for me, um, and you know, I work a lot with Spanish-speaking clients. That's the main people that I work with. But I... I think for me, it, it probably is the fact that insurance is so foreign to most people. So the fact that I get to teach that, that I get to um, walk people through all that, I, I really enjoyed that. I like to be able to simplify something that's very complicated in a sentence or two. 
and to put it in a way that other people can understand is, is something that I enjoy doing. And that's a gift yeah. because not everybody could do that. Um, there are a lot of us and I don't know where I fall on the scale. I would like to be <laughs> like you and simplify things, but there are people that take simple things and make them complex for whatever reason, mm -hmm. whether it's for, you know, an ability, inability to make them simple or keep them simple or just to make themselves feel like they're complicated. I don't know, but um, <laughs> to have that skill to take something and boil it down so that the least common denominators are available and understandable, that's a gift. Have you always had that ability to do that in communication? I think you might need to ask someone else about that because I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel after law school, I mean, yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's something that we were required to do it every day, mm. read this complex opinion and, you know, synthesize it. And, yeah. So you were yeah. trained, if yes. nothing else, into mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. I think you, what you made mention of, Yuri, earlier, just a couple of minutes ago, there are people in our country that are absolutely underrepresented. They, their mm -hmm. voice is not heard, and they don't understand the voices talking to them. And predominantly, that is our uh, socioeconomic. Um, th they're not even average, right? They're... Mm -hmm. They're underemployed, undereducated, and far too often it's in the minority segment of whatever. I mean, it could be any minority that we want right. to talk about, but um, the gift that you have the chance to bring to the Hispanic Latino community, mm -hmm. it's truly great because when they're going to buy insurance, and again, they being this particular all group of people, not any single group, but anyone who's undereducated, I've found this to be true. I am speaking to some of the most intelligent, most well-educated, most incredibly um, astute folks in our industry. And if they are not even PI attorneys, if they're attorneys on something else, or if they're media buyers or TV executives or whoever they are, and I ask them the questions about their auto insurance, the smartest of them don't know. Oh, yeah. So if the smartest of those people in their industries, the top shelf folks don't know, how can we expect for the people that don't spend time on this every day, they're just trying to eke out a living, that are trying to grind it through for them to know. So for you, what I'm hearing is it's a passion mm -hmm. that they need to know and you're gonna help deliver it. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, I would agree. Yeah, and so how do you go about doing that when you're, if someone comes to you and they say, I don't know what to do, um, I was injured and it wasn't my fault, um, where do I go? What do I do? What, is, what do you hope to get to them to help them understand their options? Well, I think the first thing is obviously gather all the necessary documentation because everybody, everybody's case may, might sound the same. Mm -hmm. but then when you look at the actual documents, it doesn't look the same at all. Um, so I think the first thing I would do is, is want to get all their documentation and then investigate what the coverages are um, if they have any, and then based on that, explain and go over how the law in that aspect works and then what would actually apply to them. So, okay. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically you got to boil it down. Like, like we talked about earlier, find out what the facts are mm -hmm. and then the law that applies to those facts. And then right. the law as it applies to those facts, as it applies to that person. Correct. Is that kind of the flow? Yes. Well, um, if you were to characterize this for me when you're working with a bilingual or a person who doesn't speak English, their predominant language is Spanish. Mm -hmm. 
do you find that they um, generally gravitate towards understanding what the situation is where they can navigate that well? Or do you find that even when you explain to them, it's just foreign because they're, again, they bought insurance and then they leave it alone. So they need that help from you to walk them through the process. Uh, knowing is one thing, but walking through it is another. Are you finding that to be the case with your clients? I would probably find that sometimes I have to explain the same thing in four different ways. And that's usually when when they will understand. And Okay. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to be creative and yes. kind of look at how they're learning. So I, I my guess is then that you're asking them in ways to help you know if they understood what you just said. Right. And if they don't, then you take another crack at it from a different way. Is Correct. That, mm -hmm. Okay. What, um, interestingly enough, as I'm thinking, just as we're talking, it brings sure. so many questions up in my <laughs> mind. What do you think the average person thinks about the need for auto insurance, especially in the community that you work with? What, how important do you think they, it, they think that it is and what part does it play in their lives? Unfortunately, I would say that somebody usually will go to an agent, a, a very typical um, person will go to their agent, uh, maybe get some pricing, maybe not pay too much attention to what the coverage is, but rather more the price. Um, they'll buy it and then they'll never look at it again until they need it. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a prevalent idea that, which is, I guess, technically true, but not 100%, right? Uh, everybody seems to have the idea that if you have a car accident and it's not your fault, everything's paid for, you're good, you're golden, you're, you don't you're have nothing to worry about, mm -hmm. yes. Um, so I, I have seen a lot of clients who will just have liability insurance because they know that they're safe drivers, so they're okay, or at least that's the thought that mm -hmm. everybody here in Colorado seems to have. And liability isn't even for injury, correct? Liability is taking correct. care of just their property damage, their car. Well, so liability insurance is just taking, if it's their fault, then their insurance. Oh, the BI. You're talking about the BI coverage. Correct. Gotcha. I thought mm -hmm. you meant the personal property coverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're thinking, oh, and how much do you think they average get? Do you think they get the minimum or do you think they get the maximum? I, I see a lot of minimum, minimum yeah. state policies. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm seeing as well from my perspective, mm -hmm. although I'm not in the trenches mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's so fascinating to me because, and again, you can speak to this, but it seems like people can get great coverage for not much more than the basic coverage that mm -hmm. the the premiums that we all pay for insurance and i think the reason that everyone just goes to their agent like you said price shops pick something and never looks at it again is because it's mandatory it's required mm -hmm. even though what's the number like 30 percent of people are driving around without insurance is that last i heard in colorado is 28 to 30 percent or something but it's pretty high yeah mm -hmm. and i think that's the last number i saw so then if they're gonna get insured they're gonna get the lowest but it's really not that much more to bump it up a couple of notches right right and especially med pay med pay is very inexpensive um when it comes to spanish-speaking clients and not just spanish-speaking clients but uh, at least the clients that i see a lot of them don't have health insurance so considering that a car crash is the most common way somebody can get injured you would think that a lot more people would have med pay and for those that listening yeah. that don't know what med pay is medical payments coverage would you explain that sure um medical payments coverage is a coverage that you can pay additional 
um, you pay additional to have it, but it's really not very expensive at all. Um, and it usually comes as a five thousand dollars, ten thousand, twenty-five. I think is the highest I've seen um, for a regular person. And um, whether the accident is your fault or not, as long as it your injuries come because of the collision, then you can use it, and that will help you pay all your bills. Your for medical your medical bills, bills right? Correct. Yeah, and you know we've seen that so many times, Judy, where clients come in and they, and, and the funny thing is about in Colorado where we're at right now, it's mandatory that it's offered, mm-hmm. but the client has the ability to sign a piece of paper and waive their coverage. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't make sense unless you don't know. If you don't know, then you're like, oh, it's just an upsell, just another piece of, of insurance that they want me to buy so that they can have nice cars and nice homes and taken out of my pocket. But really if you end up, and I mean, you look at these bills every day, and me as a as a provider, you go to the ER after a crash, whether or not it's your fault, and you get an ambulance ride, and you get an MRI or a CT, and they send you home with a neck brace, and they do whatever they gotta do, it could be anywhere from 8,000 to 20,000 mm-hmm. in the drop of an eye, right? Blink of an eye. Correct. So if you don't have any insurance, and you don't have health insurance, and God forbid it was either A, your fault, or B, the other person didn't have insurance, it can literally devastate someone financially. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that happen to I folks? Have. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely tragic. I think one of the most one of the hardest days that I can ever have in this law firm is when I'm sitting down with someone who was in a car with their family, they get wiped out, and like you said earlier, they're sitting across from us saying Everything's good, right? It wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. They're under that impression. And then the person didn't have insurance. They're one of that 28, 29, 30%. And they also now, this person can't work. They've been injured enough that they can't work for a temporary time, right? A week, two, a month, whatever it is. And they are the breadwinner to put food on the table. And they don't have health insurance. Right. Catastrophe. So I love the thought that you... Um, talk to people about MedPay. And I think part of our jobs is to counsel people like anyone listening to this. You need to talk to your agent about getting MedPay right before because you can't buy MedPay after a crash for that crash. Right. You have to have it in advance. I mean, I think I think I probably pay maybe an extra $80 to increase it for a six-month premium yeah. to increase it from 5000 to twenty-five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, less than, you know, 20 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So uh, super important, super mm-hmm. important. And so kind of moving off of our, our work topic a little sure. bit, um, what do you enjoy doing as a person? Like you're, I know you love to work out, right? Mm-hmm. And so what kind of things do you like to do outside of work that make you, you? Outside of work? Um, well, I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. I love spending time with her. Um, uh, she's a little fiery, feisty little girl. She's great. Takes after her mama. <laughs> Um, hiking. I really enjoy hiking. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my favorite things. I actually had a trip. Uh, I was supposed to go to Havasu. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Havasu in, in Arizona. Yes. Um, in May, but that was canceled. Scrubbed because of the craziness COVID. of COVID. Yes. 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 And do you like hiking more uh, trails in the forest or mountains or does it matter? I, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, but... For example, this weekend uh, we plan to go to Blue Lakes, which is in Telluride. Okay. So I'm excited. Beautiful. About that. Mm-hmm. Good. And your daughter's 
four? She's five now. Five. She yes. turned. Oh, good. Yes. And uh, how is she doing? She's good. She's actually in Mexico with her grandma right now. That's right. I remember when she was leaving and you were trying to get ready, right? And yeah. prepare. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I gotta um I gotta ask, you're a single mom? Yes. And I think people all wanna know how do you balance a legal career and being a single mom and your clients, what's that like and, and how do you go about it? Because I know there's a lot of people that are in that situation that might be listening. Well, um I actually went to law school when I was pregnant and when I had a, a newborn and I still graduated on time. Um, but really, I, I think the best way I can explain it is, is to own it. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, for every single mom out there, if you're pregnant, that doesn't mean you have to quit school. That doesn't mean you have to, you know, take a break, but just, you know, own it and let everybody know and i i don't know how else to explain it but okay. what i mean by that is you know ask for help um tell people that, that you need help um if you need an exception then don't be afraid to ask for it people do want to help usually right i would say that my professors made a lot of exceptions for me when it came to um, giving me time off. You know, I had a baby while I was supposed to be in class. Usually you were allowed to have maybe one or two absences per semester. I think I had maybe two weeks. And, you know, I still graduated on time, still did everything on time. So I I think you have to be okay with, with asking for help mm -hmm. is probably the first thing. Mm -hmm. And And another thing that I mean by own it is there were plenty of times where I, I had to bring my child to work with me. <laughs> right. And uh, goes to the same thing, you know. Um, hopefully, you know, whoever is listening, they choose a, um, a boss or an employer who is okay with that, who is mm -hmm. willing to accept that. Right. And I've been lucky that I have had that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I know yeah. here we really love to, if we don't get to see her, we try to make it so that mm -hmm. you can have time at home and because right. we know right that we we get it that it's but not yeah, easy. I think it's just important for people to own that yeah. rather than be so scared I'm not gonna try that because they might not accept the fact that I have to be gone or that I yeah. have this happening that yeah. is such a great answer because I would have yeah. never thought about yeah. owning your situation your circumstances mm -hmm. and your position as hey this is this is me mm -hmm. right it's just me take me as I, I am. am. <laughs> yes, I love that. And I know um, you and I have talked about this topic and, and I know it's it's personal and, and sensitive. And so I want to approach it as such. You're a widow. I am. And um, that's different, like, you know, than being a divorcee or, or any other situation. Every circumstance and situation is different. Can you explain or put into words what it's like to go through the grieving process as such a young woman, right? Like it's, it, this is not, not something that you would have expected to have happen in this point in your life. And then with a, with a young baby and all that kind of stuff, can, can you kind of just walk us through what that was like? Sure. Um, well, I actually, um, I, I think, so my, my husband was actually in an accident on May 18th, 2017. It was a one-person accident, um, and he was not wearing a seatbelt. 
wear your seatbelt. <laughs> he was not wearing a seatbelt, so um, it was a rollover crash. Um, he was driving uh, at regular speed in the highway, um, but his car, um, what is it called? Uh, hydroplane? Hydroplane, exactly. As he was going up a bridge. So I'm, I think his car first spun out and then rolled about three times so it was it was bad it was bad i actually don't know if he would have survived if even if he was wearing a seatbelt i i don't know um but i mean it was a shock (laughs) extreme shock um i was i think a week prior to to uh starting my my bar exam studying regime um so how did you do that? How could you possibly focus to get through that time after just having experienced such a great loss? Well, I remember when when that happened, I remember telling my, my father-in-law, should I just not take the bar exam? I, I almost considered that. And, you know, he said, no, you have to take it. If you need to take a week or two <laughs> to cry, feel bad, then do it. But you need to do it. You can't just pause your life. So I was lucky, lucky to have so many people support me and love me and help me take care of my daughter. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and yeah. Did you see that support system follow you through? Because obviously there are immediately after a big loss like that, there's people that come out of the woodwork to help. And then life goes on for everybody, right? And they go back to their jobs and they're this. And, and so oftentimes people can kind of get left in the lurch before the resources have allowed themselves to, to grow into the new area. And, and I asked that because for um, a good amount of time, my wife and I were involved in an organization called COPS, mm-hmm. which is the Concerns of Police Survivors. And it's the group that steps in when an officer uh, dies in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. And then that group would come in and, and not even as much in the days and weeks of the aftermath, but rather in the months and years to be that stopgap, to offer programs and seminars and get togethers with other survivors so that people know they're not alone. Did you have a good support system, Yuri, all the way along? Because it's been, what, three years now-ish? Mm-hmm. And did you find that the, the that, that team that you had kept you sustained through that? I, I think so. I, I would say yes. Um, I mean, I'm an only child, so it makes it easy for my mom, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, um, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, all of them just were very helpful and my best friends, just everyone. Good. Yeah. So, yeah. The, and what about your work folks? Because this happened before you started working with us. Did it you, happened before I started working. Yeah, yes. yeah. And when you got into, once you got into law and practicing, did it changed for you because now you're working, but you have this baby. Mm-hmm. And so did you, did you find, I mean, you know, you and I can talk about what's happened since here, but when you were at previous places of employment, did you find that it was a, a, a good environment for, for a single mom? I remember when I had my first employment interview, I remember I took a break before I started working for, obviously because of the grieving process. And I remember my um, my career uh, person, I don't know what they're called, um, counselor, career mm-hmm. counselor said, whatever you do, don't bring up parenting, don't bring up 
the fact that your husband died. <laughs> Don't bring anything of that up. And I think that's like the first thing I did when I was interviewed. <laughs> own it, to, right? I like did. you say, own like, it. Whatever, take yeah. me as I am. Yeah. Um, and so from the beginning, my employer was aware of my circumstance, which I think, um, same thing when I work with you guys, everybody's, uh, you know, was aware of my situation. Um, and and I just can't help but do that, even though it's very inappropriate sometimes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I would say that, yeah, I think probably the first three to six months, it's tough because the whole day all we're talking about is car accidents. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. What a crazy <laughs> tie, right? Because yeah. you just live through the ultimate mm-hmm. car accident, if you will. Right. And so um, were you able to process that naturally and just kind of matriculate through the pain of talking with other people about their accident? Was it? Did you find it therapeutic? for you or healing or how, how did you I did not find it therapeutic no um but it kind of i i don't want to say I, i'm desensitized now um but i i will say I, i'm just so accustomed to talking about it that i no longer associate one with the other okay yeah. okay yeah and so now as a uh, you know you love to learn love to go through stuff um do you have a favorite author a favorite topic you know you're doing a lot of stuff now in the personal health world with getting certification in yoga and your zumba and that kind of thing what about for your um and i know yoga can be very spiritually stimulating Mm -hmm. right and and meditation that sort of thing do you find yourself gravitating to any kind of um author or subject matter right now um right now I, I can't think of anything right now at the moment, but what I can think of is I really enjoy reading and learning anything about the law of attraction. Oh, yeah. the law of attraction. I love the yeah. law of attraction. It's so interesting because, yeah. um, you know, there there's a saying that what you think about, you bring about, and mm-hmm. good things and bad things happen in threes, and all of these kind of things tie back to that same concept of this energetic attraction that people have. And I've noticed it in my life for sure that when I am really focused in one area, that I certainly bring more of Mm -hmm. that thing or that element or that attitude, I bring it. And in fact, here's a funny story. Uh, My wife and I were going down for a wedding. It was actually Dr. Ramos's daughter's wedding Mm -hmm. and it was in the Dominican. And um, we were staying on a resort at the Dominican. Well, my wife is, um, she loves to go check out the, the culture and the things of that nature. I'm more of a go to the hotel, do your thing, don't really go out much and go home <laughs> kind of guy, right? So we yeah. have a little different agendas. Well, she said, hey, babe, let's go to the wedding. And then because of at that time, I, I was in a uh, job where I was traveling all the time and teaching and training and all this stuff. So I had a, a date that had me out of town up until the wedding. So I flew out, go to the wedding. Then she said, but how about we stay after? And travel around the landscape and get involved in the culture. She said, I've been to this place before with my friend and we literally hiked with backpacks around and took buses and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. She said, the people love you. Everything's great. Now my wife's, you know, blonde and beautiful, the whole thing. Right. (laughs) So we go to, and we're staying on the resort. It's time to leave the resort. Well, I mean, you know, I, I do Duolingo every day. So my (laughs) Spanish is, uh, let's just say muy poquito. Okay. (laughs) And so we're the Dominican. 
And so we get out and I have to navigate my way in a rental car. Mm -hmm. And my wife says, let's not get hotels planned. Mm -hmm. Let's just see what we find along the way. That's not Hoven style. That probably gave you an anxiety attack. Much anxiety. <laughs> Mucho anxiety. Yeah. So we start driving and I said, okay, I have two rules. One rule, if we're going to do this, two rules. One, we be wherever we're going to be by dark. Okay. And two, because I don't know the roads, I don't know the language, I don't know, you know, nothing. And two, um, I want to make sure that we're in the place that has American TV and air conditioning. That's it. <laughs> and then we're good to go. She says, okay. So we're driving down and all these people, Yuri, before I left, all mm. of these people were saying, hey, if you're in the Dominican, stay on the resort. It's dangerous outside the resort. Mm. Be careful outside the resort. Blah, 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 outside the resort. My wife's telling me, babe, such and such and I went traveling and we just walked with backpacks. Everyone's lovely. Yeah. Why well, I'd heard so much of one. We're driving and I missed the turn to, to head off up the coast, right? So we're traveling down the ocean. We're supposed to take a right turn to go to the other side of the island. I miss it. Mm -hmm. And there's no good signs. And our map literally was one of those things that you would take off a, a table, you know, at a <laughs> restaurant. And it just had like, here's a restaurant. Here's a th there was no complexity to the map. GPS, not online, this and that. Right. So we end up in uh, Santiago. So we missed and we end up in this big city. Now, it didn't take long, me in that city, minding my own business, and now I'm losing my mind, right? <laughs> Anxiety over the top. I said, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going. Sure enough, two young kids see me, mm -hmm. and they're on a motorcycle, and they're armed with an AK. They see me. They're the Ferrales. Okay. Pull me over and proceed to extort me for money, saying they're gonna take me in. Now, I know enough oh Spanish where goodness. we're going back and forth in broken Spanish, broken English, and they wanted X amount of dollars. They said, how, you know, they said, you know, you're pulled over, do you realize, oh, you're making all these mistakes? And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not speeding, I'm not nothing. Yeah. And yeah. then they said, well, you're gonna have to pay to get out of this or we'll take you to the station. I said, let's go to the station. <laughs> and they said, how much money you got? And so we go through this whole thing. Well, it cost me $100 out of my pocket. And oh, they wanted geez. a lot more. They wanted a lot more. And we negotiated to 100 bucks, give these, give these kids the money, and then we're on our way. And my wife tells me, literally, you brought this on yourself. <laughs> Law of attraction. Because of attraction. I, was so, I was so about how scary it was and how bad it was. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the good in it. I, I put myself in a box. And I really believe that, that, yeah. I mean, I wasn't on a highway isolated and I got picked I was in the middle of a city with thousands of cars right. around me and I got picked so I believe yeah. that what, what's a good example of a story that you have on love traction where you've seen it work in your life one way or another um well let's see um one story that I can think of is um last year mm -hmm. I actually um had a trip planned and I ended up canceling the trip because I lost my passport and I lost, um, I lost my ID and my passport all at the same time. Oh, that's a mm -hmm. bad day. And, um, and I, I kind of just try to remain positive. Then I think maybe two days prior to uh, when I was supposed to go on that trip, um, somebody sent me in the, I, I was trying to say positive too also, um, somebody sent me in the mail my complete wallet with 
my passport and my um, ID, and it didn't even have my money. It had all my credit cards. It was two days prior to the trip, to the trip. that I was literally getting ready to. Well, actually, I just wasn't gonna go, but yeah. so I was gonna lose out on about two thousand dollars. Yes. Um. Yeah, and I guess I was meant to go. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Law of attraction. Yeah. Do you have any favorite mentors, people that you saw either in the law or uh, people growing up in your life that really had a profound impact on you as a person? Um. Well. Nobody comes right to my to the top of my head right now. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I, you know, um, yeah. for me, my mentors as a kid yeah. were my coaches. In fact, I just got a text mm-hmm. from my high school football coach yesterday telling me that he had moved from principal of one place to principal of another yeah. and to let all my teammates know. And, you know, and this was, <laughs> heck, I was in high school 40 years ago or whatever, you know, so... Um, yeah, so it was interesting. So those were my younger yeah. mentors and, and then it became other people as we right. go, but yeah, it's I fascinating. I mean, the only, per, the main person, obviously I can think of is my mom. Your mom. She's my hero. Yeah, absolutely. What, <laughs> what did she teach you? What, what were the big lessons that you take from mom that have made you who you are today? Well, um, you know, I mean, she was a single mom too, as, as I mentioned before. And I just remember when I was in high school, um, she, uh, actually used to work overtime so that I could have all the nice things I had. And I mean, she worked maybe 60, 70, 80 hours a week. So that wow. beauty could be a spoiled brat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, she's just a hard worker. Great oh, person. Bless her heart. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. If you had, as, as we kind of wrap this up and bring it to a close, if you had um, one piece of advice that you would give to someone or the best piece of advice that was ever given to you, what would that be? Um, I, well, I have gone through so many bad things, <laughs> right? But uh, what I can think of is, is similar to what I said, own it. And if something bad happens to you, if, if you go through some tr- type of trauma, then the only thing you can do is, is walk right through it rather than avoid it or um, ignore it. You just have to walk right through it. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And lastly, if someone were looking at you, whether it's mm-hmm. a single mom or whether it's a young lady or even a young man, and they said, man, I want to follow her. I want to be like her. I want to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for them uh, either when considering being an attorney, becoming an attorney or going through the process, would you have any advice for a young person? I definitely, I think uh, the, the first thing is uh, find a mentor, find somebody who can help you. If it's not a mentor, then at least um, someone who is willing to help. There are people who are willing to help a lot. A lot of people who are willing to help. And, you know, from once you have somebody to help you, then... A lot of people think that doing all this, you can do it alone, and maybe you can, but it's a lot easier when you have people to help you and love you and support you. Absolutely, I love that, Mm -hmm. that's great advice. And so uh, I guess as a parting note, if people have questions, they wanna hear your story, they wanna learn more about you, uh, they have questions about anything we talked about business-wise, car crash-wise, how would they get a hold of you? Um, my line, my line is 720-580-8341, and that's my direct line. Excellent. Uh, 
and our general line is 303-733-6353 here at Ramos Law. So uh, you can throw that out as well, ramoslaw.com. I think you're you're there and you participate there. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you've also done some posts for us on yes. Instagram, that kind of stuff. So um, Yuri, thank you so much sure. for opening up your heart, uh, sharing your busy, busy schedule with me, giving us some time. And I know I've learned a lot, uh, even more than I knew about you before. Like I mm-hmm. feel super cool. We're, we're going to have to go do some law of attraction work. <laughs> so I hope you have a great day. And um, again, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. You bet. Mm-hmm.